Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. Happy, happy Turkey Day. She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Thank you so much, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome. Hello there, my friends, and good day to you all. Welcome back to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and now it's time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is the 22nd of November, and let's take a look at some of the headlines we're covering. So, Taylor Karma is kind of a thing now. Andre 3000's back. We had some racing in Las Vegas. We have a big upcoming move in baseball to talk about. Plus, a big suspension in soccer, a Roblox lawsuit, a little bit of some odd news, our box office breakdown, and more. Get comfy, my friends. Let's get started. Alright guys, let's start today off with some music news. So the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey saga is continuing and now even some radio stations are kind of getting in on the fun. Ahead of the upcoming Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles game that took place on Monday, November the 20th, one Philadelphia radio station took action in helping its team to focus amid all the hype surrounding one of the players of the rival team, Travis Kelsey, dating Taylor Swift. Cause baby, now we got bad blood. You know what used to be mad love. So take a look what you've done. Cause baby, now we got the radio show Bex and Buster, which airs on station Q102, announced back on Wednesday, November the 15th, that while they have nothing at all against the Bad Blood singer, they're going to be holding off playing any of the pop star's music leading up to the big game, where the tight end of Travis Kelsey is going to face off against his older brother, Jason Kelsey. Quote, Q102 loves Taylor Swift and the whole Travis and Taylor thing as much as the rest of the world, but this weekend, we got to focus. So... We've been forced to punt Taylor Swift from the playlist. And this is according to radio personality Buster Satterfield during an appearance on Good Day Philadelphia. Now, Swift actually has been known as a longtime Eagles fan. She grew up in a suburb of Philadelphia, but she's kind of found herself in the crosshairs now because of her blossoming romance with Travis, you know, with his brother being the center for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Cruel Summer artist first made the switch and public show of support for the supposing team back in September, where she was spotted attending a Kansas City sporting event alongside the pro athlete's mom, Donna Kelsey. Now, luckily for Eagles fans, it seemed that this worked because they beat the Chiefs 21-17. Now, let's snap back and go back to August of 2003. Every popular radio station is blasting the latest hit, Hey ya from Outcast. 
Okay, that took me back about 20 years. That was performed by Andre 3000, and it was a huge hit. It was everywhere. But ever since the group's last album release called Idlewild back in 2006, Andre's kind of faded in the background. And for the most part, the rapper has stayed out of the public eye. But other than featuring maybe some other artist songs or just a random social media sighting of the rapper playing the flute while he's roaming the world, Andre 3000, he's a little bit of a mystery. Until now. So 17 years after Outkast's last album of Idlewild, Andre's back in the spotlight and he's got a new comeback album called New Blue Sun. But this time, there's no rapping. It's just flute playing. The album was set for release on November, November the 17th. There's no singing, no bars, no beats, no sub bass. He's just playing the flute and a couple of other different woodwind instruments. Pretty awesome. The rapper turned flauta said it's not like he's tried writing raps or has like a whole bunch of unreleased songs in his vault. But he said, quote, in these times, it just comes harder for me to do it. And I don't know why I have songs, but it's not like rap things that I feel really happy sharing. And really, that's the most important part. I have to feel happy about sharing it. And that's why New Blue Sun was something that I realized, whoa, I really want people to hear it, unquote. That's a pretty awesome career evolution that I did not see coming, but sounds cool and the music is honestly pretty beautiful. All right, guys, let's kick off some sports news. The Las Vegas Grand Prix had a pretty bumpy opening when the first practice of the $500 million Formula One race was halted nine minutes into the session the night of November the 16th because driver Carlos Sainz Jr. ran over a water valve cover that badly damaged the Ferrari he was driving. It caused the first practice to just completely be aborted, and it was a delay of two and a half hours before the second practice for track repairs. All the spectators, they were removed from the viewing areas ahead of this 90-minute session. That ended at 4 a.m. local time because that was the deadline for Formula One to return the roads. Basically, this race was being done on the Strip, the Las Vegas Strip. So they had this, this regulation that they had to be off the road so that regular Vegas traffic, the commuters, could you know get to work because it is a pretty big tourist town. So the FIA, or the Federation Internationale de la Automobile, said Saints hit the concrete frame around the cover moments after cars took to the trap in this pretty hyped return to Las Vegas. Saints came to a stop, examined the damaged car, and the governing body ordered all cars off the track so they could inspect the entire circuit, so, you know, try to minimize more damage. Multiple drainage covers needed to be sealed ahead of the second practice, which is why it took so long which was originally scheduled for midnight, they didn't get started until 2.30 in the morning on Friday. Track organizers an hour earlier had told all the fans to leave because of logistical considerations for fans and staff. Ferrari boss Fred Vasseur raged that this abbreviated first practice that what happened to Saints was just unacceptable and said Saints would not be able to participate in the second practice because of the damage. Ferrari changed the chassis during the lengthy break, and Saints was able to get back on the track for the extended 90-minute session. But because of the repairs to the Ferrari, the FIA ruled that Saints had to be given a 10-place grid penalty.
Ferrari was able to salvage the day as Charles Leclerc and Saints went one and two in the second practice session. But it did make this troubling start to this race in which Formula One returned to Vegas for the first time since it's ran in 1981 and 1982 on a course that at the time mostly consisted of the Caesars Palace parking lot. The F1 and Liberty were determined to make this year's race an extravaganza, you know, Viva Las Vegas, right? But the hype has been pretty tempered by expensive tickets and these exorbitant hotel rates that outpriced many new American fans. And locals, of course, were just furious by the months of disruptions to build the course. The course ended up being 3.85 miles, which is 6.2 kilometers, this street circuit, utilizing a large portion of the Vegas Strip and passing several Las Vegas landmarks on a 17-turn layout. But because most of the course is open to traffic during the day, the FIA couldn't inspect the track and approve it for racing until really early Thursday morning after the course had been closed overnight. As far as the results, Max first stop and took first at the Grand Prix with Charles Leclerc in second and Sergio Perez took third. And Carlos, he finished right outside the top five and placing sixth in that repaired Ferrari. All right, now we're going to go down under real quick and we're going to go back to August the 20th. We're talking the FIFA Women's World Cup final, Spain versus England. Spain won the final 1-0, and it was an exciting moment for sure. But the president of the Spanish Soccer Federation may have taken his celebration just a little too far, according to the FIFA governing body. All right, during the celebration after the win, the president, Luis Rubiales, kissed forward Jenny Hermoso at the trophy ceremony. Following an absolutely massive global uproar over this moment, Rubiales tried to stay in his office, but was forced to resign from the presidency. FIFA ended up banning him from the sport for three years, and now the former president has been ruled unfit to work in the sport of soccer in Spain for the next three years as well. Uh-oh. A very, very big uh-oh. A Spanish judge is also now investigating accusations by Hermoso that Rubiales sexually assaulted her with his kiss, and then pressured her to publicly support him afterwards. He has since denied any wrongdoing. Very big yikes. On the baseball side of things, teams are now actively trading players like playing cards. The season's over, we're, we're done with the World Series, and teams are restructuring, right? But one big move is taking a massive step forward. Major League Baseball team owners voted unanimously on November the 16th to approve the Oakland A's move to Las Vegas. The vote comes around about six months after the A's reached a tentative agreement for a new stadium in Las Vegas after being unable to reach a deal for one in Oakland, California. Fans of the team really tried hard to persuade the team owners who were meeting in Texas to vote against the move. So John Fisher, the Oakland Athletics managing partner and owner, said sincere efforts were made to keep the team in Oakland, but it just didn't work out. He said the storied history of our franchise does include three cities over the past century. Earlier this year, the Oakland Athletics, who 
honestly, they've suffered some pretty low turnout at games, announced a deal that was reached to build a new stadium on the current site of the Tropicana Hotel on the Las Vegas Strip. Nevada lawmakers even approved $1.5 billion for the ballpark. The Oakland A's will play their 2024 season at the Oakland Coliseum, and they're working with the Major League Baseball to evaluate options for interim play in the following seasons. Fisher said the team expects to open the new ballpark in Vegas for the 2028 season. Nevada Governor Joe Lombardo said the new ballpark and its construction is expected to create more than 30,000 new jobs. The next story I got for you guys, I found this in my odd news pile, but I really just had to bring it up here. So the World Tour Championship Golf Tournament was being played in Dubai, United Arab Emirates this past week. Back on November the 16th, Rory McIlroy was playing on the 13th hole, which is a par three. And his tee shot somehow landed in the lap. Yeah, I said lap of a female spectator as she was laying on the grass to the right of the green. Amid a lot of laughter, the rest of the spectators retreated back, but the woman remained lying down with her feet crossed and the ball lodged right between her legs. Now, the rules are a golfer must play as it lies, meaning they have to hit the ball from wherever it lands. No, no, he has to hit it now. He has to play the ball as it lies. No, I did it off Frankenstein's fat foot, remember? Those are the rules. I didn't write them. I'm afraid he's right. Take a shot, Mr. Gilmore. So here we have this lady just laying in the grass. She's got the ball between her legs. Ha, ha, ha. McElroy goes up to her. He kind of scratches his head a little bit, fakes a shot, which amuses the gallery, of course. And then he stands back and calls for a referee. Match referee shows up and just gave McElroy a drop, saying basically it's the spot underneath her. McElroy laughs, tells the lady, you can go ahead and get up. She hands him the ball, stands up, picks up her bag, and moves back to the rest of the gallery. Everybody's cheering. McElroy ends up chipping onto the green and wound up making a bogey. For those who don't know, he made it in four shots. Ball, he's like, there's a golf shot. That's a golf shot. Well, of course it's a golf shot. I just hit a golf ball. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Moving on, let's go see what's happening over in the entertainment world. So apparently fans are discussing Thor 5 and just found out that Taika Waititi is not going to be involved. Fans are kind of eh about it right now. Taika has been busy promoting his new sports comedy Next Goal Wins, but he took a moment to talk to Business Insider and said he's not going to be involved in a fifth Thor movie, at least if it's happening in the next six years or so. The Oscar winner directed Chris Hemsworth in the beloved Thor Ragnarok of 2017 and the hugely divisive Thor Love and Thunder of 2022. Now, while a fifth Thor film is not currently officially on Marvel's upcoming slate, the character is very much still alive within the MCU, so the door is open for his return. Watiti has a slew of non-Marvel projects he's currently in development on, including a Star Wars movie that's kind of taking his time to get off the ground. Back in July of 2022, as Love and Thunder was opening, the director told Business Insider that he would definitely do another Thor movie, but only if Chris Hemsworth returned as the character. Hemsworth told Entertainment Weekly over the summer that nothing is official regarding his Marvel return. He wants a potential Thor 5 to be unpredictable, but he also 
doesn't want to risk playing Thor for so long that Marvel fans just start rolling their eyes. Might have waited a little too long, though. Some fans are already kind of fatigued. Well, not really kind of. They are fatigued with superheroes right now. But for those who are not, all of the Thor movies are currently available to stream on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? <laughs> Here's something fun for you. Arby's is in partnership with Paramount+, Plus, and they're bringing the iconic meal from the 1997 Good Burger movie to life. It's called the Good Burger 2 meal, and it consists of Arby's Deluxe Wagyu Steakhouse Burger, a strawberry shake, and fries. Ellen Rose, who is Arby's chief marketing officer, said in a statement, quote, Many of our guests have such fond memories of watching Good Burger when they were younger, and in many ways, Arby's evokes a sim similar sense of nostalgia as a place that they grew up going to with family and friends, unquote. The meal will cost about $12.99 and is currently available at participating restaurants nationwide for a limited time. Fans of Arby's and Good Burger can also find exclusive merch on the Arby's shop website. The collection includes a gray crew neck sweatshirt and a black t-shirt complete with the unique designs that capture the spirit of a collaboration, according to their news release. Good Burger 2, which is a sequel to the film spun from the Nickelodeon comedy series All That, will premiere on Paramount Plus November 22nd. Wait a second. That's today. I know what I'm doing for dinner. Dinner and a movie, yo. Now, YouTube has come under fire quite a bit as of late and a lot of cursing from me at my house. There's a lot of grumbling and it's all due to their ads. My God, the ads. And over the last few months, YouTube has continued to crack down on people using browser plugins to block these ads and videos uploaded to the site. If the website's detecting you've installed an extension like Adblock, it's going to limit you to just a couple of videos before disabling your access to view uploads entirely, which honestly just sucks. I'm sorry. Sounds rude. It is. But it's really making YouTube almost unusable. I don't want to sit there and watch a 15 to 20 minute advertisement. That's a show. I'm sorry, that's not an advertisement. That's a show. Well, now, privacy expert by the name of Alexander Hanf has accused YouTube of using illegal ad block detection and has filed a complaint with Ireland's Data Protection Commission. Back on October the, 20, the 19th of this year, Alexander, he went and posted a thread on Twitter X about his concerns as well as the complaint for others to, to submit for themselves. He said, today, I filed a formal complaint against YouTube with the Ireland Data Protection Commission for their illegal deployment of ad block detection technologies on the basis that such a deployment requires consent. In the rest of the thread, Hemp showed, he shared a link to the website for people to file this complaint, commenting that if they only receive his complaint, it's not really going to get attention. But if he gets more attention, like 10,000 complaints or so, it, you know, it's really going to get their, their attention. They're going to investigate it. And why is YouTube going to these links anyway? I mean, the accusations are indicating that by blocking your viewing of ads, if you're using Adblock, it's trying to push users to get a subscription to YouTube Premium, which is their service providing ad-free viewing. Absolutely dirty. And you never really want these accusations to be true, honestly. But as of right now, we don't know how many complaints have been filed, and YouTube has also not responded to requests for comments. But on that note, let's go download the gaming news. 
right, so we talked last week about the whole board ape fest lighting fiasco. You know, the part where people claimed vision problems from seeing, I guess they were claiming there were UV lights being used in the concert lighting. Eyeball sunburn. Remember those words. Well, now there's a knockoff version of board ape and it's called mutant ape. And they're now in the news. So the creator of Mutant Ape Planet NFT collection was arrested back in January over a $2.9 million rug pull, and they've now pleaded guilty to conspiring to commit wire fraud. As a result of the plea, Aurelian Michelle, who said prior to his arrest that it was really the community's fault he took the money and ran, is now facing a $1.4 million fine and up to five years in prison. Okay, so by the way, in plain speak, a rug pull in the crypto world is a scam where a cryptocurrency or an NFT developer hypes a project to attract investor money, only to suddenly shut down or disappear and taking all of the investor assets with them. So the whole mutant ape planet thing, it was kind of sketchy from the start, even by NFT standards. So for one thing, despite the name and the fact that it's pricey JPEGs were an obvious knockoff, it was completely unrelated to the Mutant 8 Yacht Club, which is a spinoff of the popular Board 8 Yacht, sorry, Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs. But it really never stopped people from pouring millions into them. And they were enticed by the promises of various rewards and benefits and, of course, you know, the prestige and value that comes from owning one of these little creepy zombie monkey pictures. But after the collection sold out, Mutant Ape Planet creators transferred the $2.9 million that people had spent on them to other crypto wallets that they controlled, and then they pulled a David Copperfield. According to prosecutors, Michelle copped to the crime in a chat on social media, but offered a novel defense to the theft by blaming the people who bought them, saying, quote, We never intended to rug pull, but the community went way too toxic, unquote. First day on the internet, my guy? People on the internet are kind of toxic. Argument really didn't appear to have sold as well as his monkey pictures, though. The U.S. Um, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of I think it was in New York. They announced that Michelle pleaded guilty, and the Mutant Ape Planet collection no longer available on the NFT marketplace of OpenSea. They claim it was removed because of a claim of intellectual property infringement, but you can still see the collection on Coinbase. That page states that each mutant ape planet allows its owner to be part of an exclusive community, giving different perks and experiences to its holders. But if you go look at that, the activity log, the images are effect effectively worthless. There's no activity going on at all. The special agent in charge of the IRS Criminal Investigations New York, Thomas Fetteroso, said while Michelle purported to sell these dream NFTs backed with rewards and benefits, he really just defrauded his investors and turned their dream into a nightmare of deception and losses. There's no excusing this kind of greed, and today's guilty plea brings Michelle one step closer to realizing his own nightmare behind bars, unquote. You know, that's the kind of statement that is really best made while the who's won't get fooled again is blaring in the background. Like that, exactly like that. Except, you know, somehow... I very much suspect that some people are just going to get fooled again and again and again. Roblox has had some pretty awesome growth in recent years, and it's been long in the making. But such a scale has brought this new level of scrutiny to what 
may now be the biggest single gaming experience in the world. There are all sorts of criticism facing the platform, but really the most serious by far relates to its overwhelmingly young audience. A February 2022 SEC filing says over 60% of Roblox users are under the age of 16. 55% are 12 and under. And whether it does enough to protect them from bad actors and the type of content children should not be seeing. Many parents just, they don't think it does enough. And not for the first time, though, these parents are taking action. So now the Roblox Corporation is facing this class action lawsuit in California. And it's been brought about by parents who are accusing the company of intentional and negligent misrepresentation, unjust enrichment, violations of California's unfair competition law, false advertising law, Consumer Legal Remedies Act, and the State Consumer Protection Act. That's a lot. It's a mouthful. Alexandra Walsh of Walsh Law, the firm representing the parents, says, quote, there's a misperception that Roblox is safe. The brand has a bit of a halo around it due to the company falsely advertising itself that way to parents. Parents who would never let their kids use TikTok don't think twice about letting them on Roblox, even though what they encounter on Roblox can be far more harmful. Roblox has overstayed its welcome in spaces designed for kids, unquote. But it is in the specifics of the complaints themselves that might raise a few eyebrows. And not only with regards to Roblox itself and the experiences recounted, but in terms of the sheer amounts of money some of these parents spend on their kids' pastimes. This is insane. So Roblox, of course, only allows purchases through its own digital currency, microtransactions. They're called Robux. And such things are in the first place, well, designed to kind of obscure exactly how much you're spending, but combine that with kids who don't really understand money in a meaningful way anyway until they get closer to the teenage years, and you got a really bad mix. The suit says Roblox failed to warn, and it misleads parents about the widespread inappropriate and harmful content that children often encounter in the virtual world. Roblox specifically misleads parents about the efficiency of its filtering technologies, and its ability to make the site safe and appropriate for children, unquote. The complaint then goes on to children seeing nude avatars and avatars engaging in intercourse and the use of sex toys, as well as virtual strip clubs, and says Roblox is infamous for condo games, which is a phrase describing Roblox experiences somehow designed to imply or simulate intercourse or sexual themes. The lawsuit quotes the Daily Mail describing one where the basement was a torch-lit sex dungeon. One to the plaintiff's KM set up her then seven-year-old son with a Roblox account back in 2021 and says she subsequently spent $4,000 on the game before discovering her child was being sent abusive and profane messages on the platform, including one user asking her son to perform virtual oral sex on his avatar. Another asking the boy to then show him their genitals and another calling him a racial slur. Wait, what? Okay, I'm going to back up a second. Holy crap, $4,000? That's the first part that hits me. And I'm going to be completely honest. I'm, I'm actually not surprised by the allegations. All right, this is the internet after all. And weird people are going to take advantage of any space they can find. I have several young kids in my family. 
All of them are allowed to play internet-based games, but none of them that are under 15 are allowed to talk and chat. It's emote only, and they're checked on to make sure no one's messing with them. A little helicopterish, maybe, but it's keeping them safe, and it's keeping the gaming affordable. Even worse is the complaint of the third plaintiff, Damian Yule. He's a father of three whose kids have used the platform since 2007. He told CBS News, I thought this was a safe space. There is some misrepresentation of safety. We spent a lot of money under the false pretense that this is a safe platform. And you know, it's just a major gut check for all of us, unquote. In 2021, his then 12-year-old daughter had formed an online relationship with another Roblox user who claimed to also be a 12-year-old girl. In fact, it was an adult woman, and upon searching his daughter's chat history, the father found messages of a pretty explicit sexual nature and that the adult had moved on to emailing his daughter outside of the game. He said, it was an adult that was manipulating and grooming my daughter. The adult contacted my daughter offline and then started exchanging emails with her. He said he then got access to the emails and discovered his daughter had sent inappropriate photographs, at which point he contacted the adult directly and called the police. But because they lived outside of California, nothing could be done. This would suggest the other adult was either not in the USA, as soliciting a minor is, you know, a federal offense, although the lawsuit is unclear. Yule subsequently stopped his daughter from accessing Roblox completely. There's no indication yet of when this suit will be heard. It was filed back in August. They did an amendment back in October. And Roblox has faced many lawsuits before, including class action ones. But some occasions have just, they've settled. The serious nature of these allegations, though, that can make a reckoning a little more likely. Now, what friends did we say goodbye to this week? Wayne's World star Dana Carvey has revealed that his son Dex Carvey has passed away at the age of 32 from an accidental drug overdose. The Saturday Night Live alum, who is 68 years old, and his wife Paula released a very heartbreaking statement on Instagram last week that read, Last night we suffered a terrible tragedy. Our beloved son Dex died of an accidental drug overdose and he was 32 years old. Dex packed a lot into those 32 years. He was extremely talented at so many things, music, art, filmmaking, and comedy, and all pursued them all passionately. Amid the news of his passing on Thursday of last week, Carvey took to Twitter with a pair of images of his son Dex and captioned one of the shots, Dex and me working together. What a joy. Dex died Wednesday evening at his home in Los Angeles as his girlfriend called emergency services around 10 p.m., according to police sources. Much like his father, Dexter had a career background in entertainment as he was a comedian who even opened for his father in 2016 during the filming of the Netflix special Straight White Male. Dexter had also appeared in a number of projects including the 2016 short film Carpool Pandering, Joe Dirt 2, Beautiful Loser, and the 2013 miniseries The Funster. Also lost this week, former First Lady Rosalind Carter, the closest advisor to President Jimmy Carter during his one term as U.S. President and their four de decades thereafter as global humanitarians. She has passed away at the age of 96. The Carter Center said she died Sunday after living with dementia and suffering many months of declining health. And the statement announcing her passing said she died peacefully with her family by her side at her rural home in Georgia, Plains. 
The Carters were married for more than 77 years. That is amazing. Forging what they both described as a full partnership. Unlike many previous first ladies, Rosalind actually sat in on cabinet meetings, spoke out on controversial issues, and represented her husband on foreign trips. Aides to President Carter sometimes referred to her privately as a co-president. The former president, Mr. Carter, who's now 99, remains at the couple's home in Plains after entering hospice care himself back in February. After leaving Washington, Jimmy and Rosalind co-founded the Carter Center in Atlanta to continue their works. She chaired the center's annual symposium on mental health issues, then raised funds for efforts to aid the mentally ill and the homeless. She also wrote Helping Yourself Help Others about the challenges of caring for elderly or ailing relatives and the sequel, Helping Someone with Mental Illness. Frequently, the Carters left home on humanitarian missions, building houses with Habitat for Humanity and promoting public health and democracy across the developing world. Mrs. Carter was truly a very classy lady, and she will be missed. Our condolences also go out to the Carvey family for their devastating loss. Let's now check in. How did the box office do this past weekend? It's time for the box office breakdown. Well, the Marvels reigned last week at the box office, but their status was in question with several new releases on the horizon. So, how did the ladies of the MCU hold up? Long story short, they didn't hold up. The odds were ever in favor of the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which emerged victorious in a box office weekend despite opening slightly behind expectations. The Lionsgate film, which brings audiences back to the dystopian world of Pan Am for the first time in nearly a decade, collected $44 million domestically. Now, those initial ticket sales didn't recapture the spark of the original franchise, which propelled Jennifer Lawrence to global stardom and inspired three sequels, but it was enough to win the weekend over three fellow newcomers. In second place, Trolls Band Together opened on par with expectations, generating $30.6 million. It's the third biggest opening weekend for an animated film this year, far behind number one and two spots of the Super Mario Brothers movie, which took $146 million and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse at 120. With the glut of new offerings, though, ticket sales for Disney's superhero sequel, The Marvels cratered by 78% to land another record, the biggest second weekend drop by far in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Before this weekend, it was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium withstood the largest decline of the franchise with 69.9%. Well, the Marvels actually tied for third place, taking in $10.2 million, with director Eli Roth's R-rated slasher Thanksgiving, starring Pat Patrick Dempsey and TikTok star Addison Rae leading the cast. Thanksgiving centers around a mysterious axe-wielding killer who terrorizes the res residents of Plymouth, Massachusetts after Black Friday riot ends in tragedy. Universal and Blumhouse's terrifying video game adaptation Five Nights at Freddy's rounded out the top five with $3.3 million, and that was after four weeks on the charts. We have a couple of upcoming releases that have uh, some people buzzing. We've got Napoleon coming out, starring Joaquin Phoenix, 
And the story, it's the story of the rise and fall of the Emperor Napoleon, as well as the newest offering from Disney called Wish. I'll be looking forward to seeing those numbers for this holiday weekend. So now, what kind of odd news did we dig up this week? And now, for something different. All right, we're going to start this next segment off. I have one simple question. What is the first rule of Fight Club? Uh, no cuts, no butts, no coconuts? No, just play the clip. The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. You said one rule. That was two. Picky, picky. All right, look. We're not going to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it. And I know I'm breaking the rules, but you really need to hear this one. As a parent, I can tell you it's really hard to teach three and four-year-olds not to physically hurt each other. It can kind of take years to teach some self-control. Now, imagine some paid professional came in and completely undid all of that teaching by encouraging them to beat on each other over toys at a daycare. But that's exactly what happened when authorities at Kids Unlimited of Prosperity Daycare in Newberry, South Carolina has happened. The Newberry Sheriff's Department said the kids were encouraged by two staff members, 27-year-old Erica Shirai Jones and 56-year-old Serena Caldwell, to shove, pull, and hit other children. According to reports, children from one classroom were taken to another one to fight one another. Three- and four-year-olds were hit or slapped in the face or the head. There were approximately... 14 kids involved in the fights. This is an absolute nightmare scenario. The owners of the daycare fired Jones and Caldwell and then reported them to police and released the following statement. It was brought to the attention of our senior staff member that possible offensive behavior by two staff members may have occurred. After viewing the security camera footage, the two staff members were immediately terminated. South Carolina Department of Social Services and the Newberry County Sheriff's Department were also immediately notified. Any further comments about the investigation will be coming from those two agencies, unquote. Sheriff Lee Foster said the daycare did the right thing and has been giving the investigators its full cooperation. Foster said, I have no idea what the two daycare workers were thinking of that was just abhorrent behavior. I just can't imagine why they would do this. We don't know at this time how much emotional or psychological damage could have been caused by this, unquote. Caldwell and Jones are being held on $60,000 and $56,000 bonds, respectively, and both are facing multiple counts, including contributing to the delinquency of a minor and unlawful conduct towards a child. Look, kids can get vicious over nothing but to deliberately encourage this? Wow. Just wow. Raven, why are you waving at me? Hey, hey, hang on, hang on. Now, this is what I am thinking. This is going through my head right now. Two little toddlers going head down. Hang on, hang on. Just, just, just get that picture in your head. Go, boys, go. I know you can see it. Dude, how long have you had this queued up? Far, far too long. <laughs> Oh, look, that one just hit the other one. <laughs> There's something seriously wrong with you. I'm okay with it. Anyway. Okay, okay, you can seriously stop it. I said stop. 
Thank you. Anywho, honestly, this next story here, we're going to talk about something just a little more heartwarming. Two strangers from Arizona went viral back in 2016 after a text message that was sent to the wrong number resulted in a Thanksgiving invitation that will now spend their eighth consecutive turkey feast together. And honestly, look, I have loved this story from the moment I heard about it, and I just absolutely love that it's continuing. So here's the story. 2016, Jamal Hinton gets a text message from an unknown number saying Thanksgiving dinner is at my house, November 24th, 3 p.m. Confused, he asked who the texter was. The mystery messenger replied, your grandma. Hinton was a teenager at the time, asked for a picture, and upon seeing a white woman who was not his grandma, texted a photo of himself back. You not my grandma, he wrote. He's a black guy. Kind of important. But he said, can I still get a plate, though? And then what became known as, like, the most wholesome viral moment on social media, Grandma replied, well, of course you can. That's what grandmas do. We feed everyone. Hinton screenshot the text exchange, and it received absolute widespread attention online. He honestly took her up on her offer and drove from Tempe, Arizona, to Mesa to celebrate with her and her family, and he's done it ever since then. Many Americans have watched the story unfold over the years as Jamal of Phoenix continues posting on Twitter X about his lasting relationship with Grandma Wanda Dench. From the viral text, Hinton Hinton grew this social media following, and he's been sharing updates over the years, and some updates, they're, they're happy. Hinton started dating a woman named Michaela, who Dench welcomed to Thanksgiving dinner as well, but some updates, not so happy. Dench's husband died from the COVID-19 virus back in 2020. But still, they got together that year just in a smaller gathering to honor husband Lonnie. 2023, Hinton announced on Thanksgiving that he and Dench had gone from family to business partners, launching an alkaline black water called Black MP. Thanksgiving is apparently not the only special time that Hinton and Dench have experienced together, because back in September of 2022, Hinton retweeted a video that Dench posted and announced that she'd gotten her first tattoo at the age of 65. She captioned the photo, guess who went with me, with Hinton alongside her. The pair also enjoyed Super Bowl 2022 together, and Dench tweeted a selfie with him sitting on her left. So it appears Hinton and Dench have become family over a mistake, but it's a story we're all looking forward to seeing updates to every Thanksgiving. Well, what a wild week going into Thanksgiving. We got news about Andre 3000's return. We have a new number one at the box office. Las Vegas had a race, but it's also getting a new baseball team. Rory had a very interesting ball drop. Roblox is facing a lawsuit, and we talked about Fight Club. And somehow Star Trek Gladiators made it into the mix. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you, I include the links to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what I see and more. Also, don't forget to drop a comment or send us an email if there's a story you want us to cover. Join us the next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember, guys, stay comfy in that starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun. Listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, 
we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in the Starter Zone.